This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for our first investment committee meeting yes. of the Equity Mates People's Fund, yes. aka the Hypothetical Portfolio Fund, aka Bryce's Retail fund? <laughs> yes. Not true. There's not going to be many retail stocks in there, I don't think, Ben. I've just noticed in your intro as well, you, uh, you for a while there, you tried to do the We Help You Learn to Invest in 20 Minutes or Less. You've only I just like noticed. How you've gone back to 45. Are you serious? Uh, I think. <laughs> I've been doing that for like a year, <laughs> more. Uh, your intro is kind of, um, it's is... white noise for me at the moment. <laughs> Wake up, Jeff. Yes, so here we are. First investment committee meeting is officially open. And today's episode, Ren is going to be bringing an idea to the table. He's a bit disappointed that I'm not bringing an idea to the table. Uh, Miscommunication. (laughs) I thought we were both bringing an idea to the table for discussion. Bryce has completely hung me out to dry. (laughs) No. A terrible start for the first investment committee meeting. So I'm really just going to have to go out on a limb, aren't I? No, I'm here to support you and uh, looking forward to hearing what you're going to bring to the table. What well, we... given some of my the past performance of some of my stocks of the year, you could be in for a world of hurt with this pick. <laughs> I feel like stocks of the year, you go for it with something a bit different, but I know you've put a lot of thought into, into this one. <laughs> Throwing you under the bus here. But anyway, so... What we're going to do in today's episode is quickly do a brief reminder of the rules for our portfolio. We will officially, today marks the day we're recording on the 21st of August. Today is the official liquidation of our existing portfolio. And then we're going to go into the satellite and have a listen to what Ren is going to be bringing to the table and then talk about our expert watch list. So before we do some housekeeping, Ren, you've been busy coding Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we've got the portfolio page up on our website. We do. We yes. do. Equitymates.com slash portfolio. Yep. You've spent hours doing some Python <laughs> <laughs> coding that. Equitymates.com forward slash portfolio. This is the page we're going to be housing everything to do with these episodes. You'll be able to see the portfolios as well as the expert watch list. That might become a separate page might depending become. on how we figure it all out true but yeah the if you go to equitymates.com slash portfolio that'll be the starting point for your journey into our equitymates people's fund yes also if you are not already part of the thought starters email that we send out every monday make sure you go and sign up to that at equitymates.com forward slash thought starters five interesting articles that primarily have interested Ren during the week. (laughs) Yeah, they have. (laughs) Yeah, because uh, he is the one who takes charge of that and uh, does an awesome job. So please go and subscribe to that. It'll get you through the week. No better way to start your week. That's right. So Ren, quick reminder of the rules. Happy, obviously, being the first investment committee meeting. Happy for anyone involved to change it. So far, it's just you and me in the room. (laughs) We've got three key principles for the portfolio. Well, actually, more than three, but 1000 per month is what we're going to be having available to invest, although... 
we are starting off with uh, the liquidation of this portfolio. I love, we've got three rules. First rule, big caveat on the first rule. And there's actually more than three rules. <laughs> yeah. So maybe let's put it, let's make it clear for everyone. We've got the existing portfolio that we're going to be liquidating today. 36,000. 36,000. We'll put up the old portfolio we had on the slash portfolio page as well. Bryce wants to keep tracking it because he picked Afterpay when it was very early and he... Uh, I just want to see what it can he do. He wants to see what happens. <laughs> I'm telling him he needs to find the next Afterpay and he's refusing to pitch. So <laughs> so the starting point is the 36k that we're liquidating, but moving forward, we want to try and get in a cadence that reflects how we invest and how most everyday retail investors invest, which is you get money from your job, you save a bit of it and you invest. So moving forward, it'll be a thousand a month, but we've got a starting point. Yes. This satellite portfolio is all about us steering clear of the ETF side of things. That's all in our core portfolio. So we're looking to be chatting about individual stocks here. We've got a decades long time horizon. So we are not looking to get 10 and 20 baggers in the next two days. That's very important. Although that would be that awesome. That would be nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unconstrained. And what we mean by that is no limit on markets. As long as you can buy it through some sort of brokerage platform here in Australia, no fixed philosophy. And most importantly, every stock must have a written thesis 50 words, 5,000 words, doesn't matter. It just must be written down. We also house that on the website. That's it? No, one more. Sorry, yes. Mutual agreement between the investing committee. Yes. And if we can't agree, we go to the people. Yeah. Nice. All right. Now, this isn't a rule, but I feel like this is the right point to add something. I think on the portfolio page and in these discussions... I want to kind of reflect what Chris Weldon from Magellan spoke about their investing process. Yep. This whole podcast is about learning from the experts, taking yes. all of their insights, stealing their insights for ourselves. Yes. <laughs> and so the way Chris explained the Magellan process is they have an investing universe, stocks that have passed the first steps of their assessment and screening process, mm -hmm. and then they build their portfolios out of that pool of an investing universe. And it's basically a watch list, I guess. It's probably a very big and very structured watch list, but I want to also introduce a watch list of stocks that we're interested in, we think could be interesting, potentially are a little bit too expensive, or you know, it may not be the right time to invest because there's some COVID uncertainty or other uncertainty. Mm -hmm. But I think for people who want to see beyond just the stocks that are in the portfolio, we'll include a watch list slash investing universe section on the website as well. Nice. On, on that portfolio. Page. I really like that idea. Okay, Ren. Well, officially, yep, we've liquidated 36,000. We've got 18 grand to spend on this satellite portfolio in cash. So again, for people who've just picked up this episode for the first time, welcome. Mm -hmm. The reason that we're doing it this way is we've got two portfolios. And again, this is borrowing from the experts. A number of the experts that we've spoken to have talked about having a core and a satellite approach. And the core is that buy and hold, set and forget, mm -hmm. long term. Dollar cost average. Yeah, broad market or broad asset class investments that you just hold for 40 or 50 years, they compound away and then you sell when you retire. And so in previous episodes of the hypothetical portfolio that you can find in this feed, we've sort of explained how we're going to run that. Or you can head to the website equitymates.com slash portfolio and you can see what we've bought for the core portfolio. So that we're, that's 
half of our money. So that's 18 grand there. And then the other 18 grand is what we're starting with in this satellite portfolio where it's a little bit more trying to beat the market, trying to pick individual stocks, trying to apply more of the lessons that we've learnt and potentially a little bit more interesting for some people out there. Mm. There's only so much you can talk about the ASX 200 ETF. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Well, let's uh, actually get into the nuts and bolts of it, Ren. So we've developed a very simple sort of template that we're going to be using for these pitch processes, which we'll house online as well if people want to use it. We are very open to and we want you guys out there to pitch stocks as well. We're very excited that ideally in the next episode, we're actually going to have some of our listeners on pitching some stocks for the portfolio. So keep your ears open for that one. But yeah, Ren. I think the listeners pitching stocks is just going to be Bryce with a different voice because he's, he's a little bit nervous to back his convictions. I'm not nervous, mate. <laughs> okay, Ren, well, before we kick into it, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I do. So speaking personally, when we started this podcast, when I started my investing journey, portfolio construction and picking stocks, I always thought you had to pick the unknown company that no one else has heard about. That kind of, for me, was that's how you made money. You don't, you don't invest in the big end of town. What we've seen since we started this podcast and what we've learned from speaking to experts is even the big end of town can run. Yeah. And if anyone's watching the US tech stocks, the FANG stocks, they run mm-hmm. a lot. Mm. And so something that has been a big learning for me and I think will be important when we're building this portfolio is... You can do whatever the hell you want. Thank I, you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not just going to be pitching unknown micro cap stocks that yeah, I'm hoping no, no. will 20 bag mm-hmm. or potentially you know go bust. Like mm-hmm. that's that's not the philosophy that we're undertaking. Although there may be some. And just to give you an idea of how professional fund managers, some of the best fund managers in Australia, make their money with big and known stocks. The MFF, mm-hmm. which was the Magellan flagship fund run by Chris Mackay, now is no longer part of Magellan, separate business now. They released their annual results recently and in their letter to shareholders, they listed all their holdings. And it really struck me just how well-known all of the stocks in their portfolio are. So I just wanted to read them out to give you an idea of one of the top 10 fund managers in Australia who does very well for himself and very well for his investors invests in, just Mm -hmm. to to set the scene. So as of the 31st of July, 2020, MFF, ASX listed LIC, listed investment company, their holdings were in order of size in the portfolio, cash, 44%. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and so my first pitch is cash. <laughs> no deal. So yeah, cash biggest holding. Second biggest holding, Visa, 18.5% of the portfolio. Third biggest holding, MasterCard, 16% of the portfolio. So over a third of the portfolio is with the in payments. duopoly of payments, yeah. global payments processes. So neither of those stocks are unknown. And Chris Weldon loves MasterCard and Visa as well, yes. Visa particularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost as if um, Chris McKay and Hamish Douglas talk or yeah. something. <laughs> the next biggest one, Home Depot, which for people unfamiliar is basically the Bunnings of America. Just a big, giant home improvement mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. Home, yeah, whatever. Just like a Bunnings. Just a Bunnings, yeah. yeah. Should have stopped there. <laughs> <laughs> so Home Depot, almost 10% of the portfolio. Then it drops down. Next one, CVS Health, which is a big pharmacy chain over there, 2.5% of the portfolio. Microsoft, 2% of the portfolio. Berkshire Hathaway, 2% of the portfolio. JP Morgan, 1%. 
Berkshire Class A, so they've got both Class B and Class A in the portfolio, same company. Lloyds Banking, a big bank, US Bancorp, Lowe's and Schroeder's. Some of those other names may not be as familiar, but they're still big market cap companies in the UK and the US. So that struck me because none of those companies are really unheard of. They're all very well known. And like the majority of the performance in the portfolio is going to come from some extremely well-known stocks and cash. Yeah. So yeah, that for me, I think sets the scene for the portfolio. Mm, I agree. I think we're not going to be running a small cap fund. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> yeah. We have an interview coming up with Owen Raskovich, who's uh, making a niche for himself, picking the very small end of town. Yes. And don't you worry, we'll be stealing his best ideas. <laughs> don't you worry about that. But we won't just be focusing on that end of the market. So I guess that's a long way of saying if people out there have a thesis on a big company, you know, someone like Bryce wants to say that Afterpay is going to double again or that Zero has heaps of growth left or, you know, maybe the Commonwealth Bank yeah, <laughs> like yeah. us. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know, you know one that I'm particularly interested in personally and I'm going to put on our watch list mm-hmm. is CSL. Okay. Second biggest company in Australia, was the biggest for a little while, probably will be again. It's just got this unbelievable growth pipeline. The mm. only criticism people have of CSL is its valuation. Mm. Arguably, its valuation isn't that extreme given the growth that everyone seems to agree is going to come. So, yeah, I have no problem with people pitching big stocks if they have a strong thesis and if they think it's going to grow. Absolutely. And so let's add CSL as the first company on the watch list. Done. I've just taken note of that. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, Ren. Well, I want to touch on what you've just spoken about in terms of how we're going to treat some of the big stocks over in the States. But I reckon first, let's bring it back to what we're here for and hear what you've got. Okay, so the first company that I have is a company that a lot of people will know we've actually touched on on this episode already and we have interviewed one of their portfolio managers a couple of times. So the first stock I'm going to pitch is Magellan Financial Group. Nice. Not the funds themselves, okay. but the, the overarching funds management company. Mm-hmm. 
so the business. The business, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So their business is funds management. Mm-hmm. They run a number of different funds. They have at the end of the financial year $97 billion in assets under management spread across a number of funds. Mm-hmm. So I'll just get straight into the pitch and then yeah. uh, we can have a chat about it from there. Yeah. So it's undeniable that Magellan has had unbelievable growth over the past decade, but over the past five years, its funds under management have grown at just shy of 25% a year. Its revenue, its income have all grown hugely over the last five years. And when you say funds under management has grown, you're saying the inflow of new cash into the business? Yeah, the money that it manages as, as its business. And why is that important? Because the way that funds managers make money is from fees. And so Magellan, it's a blended rate, like its ma- its average management fee across the money it makes is 0.62%. Okay. So the more funds under management it has, the more fees it makes, which is revenue, and then it deals with its operating expenses as a business, and then the rest is profit. So to give you some numbers, off the $97 billion that it was managing at the end of FY20, it made about seven hundred million in revenue, and off that, just shy of four hundred million in profit. So, Jeez. Um, great margins mm. as well. Fifty-seven percent profit margin. Nothing to nothing, nothing to shy away about. from. Now, the biggest criticism of Magellan is its valuation. Mm-hmm. It trades at a, uh, as of today, twenty-nine price-to-earnings ratio, which okay. is which is expensive for a fund manager. But the reason that I'm pitching it is because I think. It can justify that valuation if it can continue its growth rate. Mm-hmm. I've done some simple numbers, then I'll explain why I think those numbers are reasonable. So if you project out five years and you apply its current growth rate in terms of its funds under management, you get to about $288 billion in funds under management, which is huge. Over the next five years? At the end of five years, that's, yeah. that's how much it will have, which is massive. It's... It's a big step up from where it is now. If it can continue that growth rate and it keeps its management fee stable, it will do about $1.7 billion in revenue and just shy of a billion dollars in profit. It's currently valued at $11 billion. So it's not, a, it's not an unreasonable valuation. A lot of people will be listening to this and thinking, trying to maintain that growth rate, growth rate yep. is a stretch. Yep. But even if you halve its growth rate, so if you take it to sort of 12% growth in funds under management a year, it still comes to about $170 billion in funds under management at the end of year five and over a billion dollars in revenue off that. If it does over a billion dollars in revenue, it'll do about, on my numbers, about $600 million in earnings. And it will, you know, again, the, then the multiple doesn't look so rich. Mm-hmm. So then the question is, what would be the reasons that it can continue its fund inflows? And I think it is positioning itself well for its next stage of growth in a, in a couple of key areas. So the first one is it's got a, a slew of new products that it's releasing. So it announced three new ETF style products that are going to be exchange traded, active exchange traded products. And then also it's announced a retirement income product. So whilst its funds inflows to its uh, existing funds may slow down, the new funds should see pretty significant inflows. The second reason, and this is part of a broader thesis I have around the market, is I expect there will be a mean reversion in asset flows between 
passive and active mm-hmm. fund managers. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, since 2008, ETFs have killed it and there's great reasons for that. But I think there will be a mean reversion as markets get more volatile, things get more uncertain. Potentially, we get into more of a multipolar world where the US isn't just this dominant market and everyone just wants to invest in the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. And I think it will become harder and harder to generate alpha, like generate outperformance by just investing in the big six tech stocks. And if that happens, then active management will start to outperform. And if active management starts to outperform, then money will flow to where the performance is. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the second reason why. I think that I expect there will be a shift in the way funds flow, especially from like the bigger institutions and endowments and stuff like that. And then the third reason is I think there will just be a emphasis on quality managers. And I think Hamish Douglas is the best manager in Australia. If other managers want to put their hat in the <laughs> ring uh, to be the best manager, then we're welcome to hear you out on the show. But I think if things get more uncertain, if it markets get more difficult, you're going to want the best manager managing your money and you're going to be willing to pay for that. And so I think those three reasons, the new products, the return to active management and a focus on quality managers should keep the funds flowing to Magellan. Mm-hmm. So that's really my pitch. There's not too much complexity to it in terms of the business. I think similar to what we were saying about CSL before, Magellan is a business that everyone agrees is a great business that is run by great managers. And the only question is valuation. I can get comfortable enough with the valuation. I mean, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. And so I think that's my pitch. Nice, bro. It certainly doesn't seem unrealistic. That's my first comment, you know, given the figures you've put there. I love it. Obviously, love Magellan. Spoken to Chris Weldon a couple of times. and This is actually all just part of a broader play to get (laughs) Hamish on the podcast. Yes. (laughs) So a couple of questions. You mentioned around the growth coming from reversion, new products, and also quality management. What do you think, from a competitive advantage point of view, why do you think they're going to be able to keep their fees as they are? They are on the higher side of the market, you know, and they sort of charge a a premium fee. So what what is it about them that allows them to to do so and, and perhaps sustain that over the next five years, given that broadly we've got ETFs more and more coming to the market, putting more pressure on low fees, low fees, low fees? I think I think the willingness to pay fees is an an outcome of performance. Like fees, and and this is ironic given that we have an official stance against fe- uh, yes, we, hate fees we hate fees in our podcast. Officially. But um, the thing is, fees are only exorbitant when the relative performance doesn't justify the fees. And so we hate fees if you're going to pay fees to a manager that will get you market average returns when you can get those market average returns in a low cost ETF. The fees are not justified in that case. This is just my personal view of the market is I don't think the good times that we're in now can last forever where the market just keeps grinding upwards and you know it's impossible for large cap man- managers to generate outperformance because the index is just so strong and really all you need to do is make a concentrated bet on technology companies and you'll outperform everyone. I, I just don't I don't see how that can last. And so for me, 
if Magellan are able to distinguish themselves as quality managers that can generate alpha, that can generate outperformance because of their better quality management, then the fees on a relative basis, relative to performance, start to become not as big a concern for a lot of people, is my thesis. Yeah, yeah. I want to really be clear on that, that I could be completely wrong, just like I was wrong about some of my stocks of the year. (laughs) I think another part of your thesis that I found interesting is that you do think there's going to be a mean reversion back to active management. I think the trend at the moment is very clear that a lot of money is going the other way. I'm a contrarian, baby. I know, I know. I love it. I love it. I'm very interested to see how it plays out. So, okay, that's one of the competitive advantages they have, I guess, is their their ability to charge a higher fee in terms of the revenue that they can generate. Let's speak about people and culture briefly. Is this a business that needs Hamish Douglas as their headline? That is a good question. I'm going to deflect the question and say this is an investment personally that needs Hamish Douglas as the headline. (laughs) I'm sure the business would do incredibly well if you know, Chris or any of the other people at Magellan run it. For me, you can get comfortable with the valuation if Hamish is running it. Mm. So, yeah, if Hamish left, I would probably want to take a look at this in the portfolio and uh, interesting maybe sell it. But you know what? If Hamish left, the market would probably punish it before we could sell it. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah I agree. He's absolutely a magnet for money at the moment. Yes, so yes. <laughs> it's almost an investment in Hamish Douglas at this stage. Yeah, yeah, not a bad one. <laughs> cool. So, in terms of time horizon here, you know, you've you've forecast out sort of five years. Do you have any thoughts on that, or is this just an in and let's let it run? Prove me wrong, big fund managers. But at some point, historically, what we've seen is that at some point it becomes harder to generate alpha because you have so many assets under management because. You just have so much cash that you need to invest. It becomes incredibly hard to find good opportunities that fit your size. And I mean, the classic example of that is Berkshire Hathaway, where yeah. you know Buffett and Munger say that if they if they were managing a million bucks a year, they could get fifty percent returns a year. But because they're managing what over seven hundred billion dollars in assets, they Jeez. yeah, well that yeah. That's not all liquid positions. That's also like holding companies and stuff like that. But still, the pool that they're fishing from and the acquisitions that they can make that generate a good enough return for their fund are just, there's less opportunity. Um, There's just less less fish in the sea. So look, at some point, Magellan may face a similar situation. They may face the fact that their funds under management are so large that it becomes difficult to generate alpha. And so that would probably be my biggest, I don't, I don't have a set time horizon, but that is something that you'd want to pay pretty close attention to. Mm. If their performance consistently was sort of in line with market average performance, then you'd be like, well, does it justify the fees? Yeah. And that's an important thing to recognize. It's what is going to need to change for you to, I guess, reconsider your thesis. I'm speaking more broadly here. So, yeah, good point. All right, Ren, well, it's currently trading at $62.84, uh, 21st of August. So that's going to be our buy price. Yep. And what, we're going to throw a thou into it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yep. throw in a thou, taking into consideration brokerage as well. So we'll update the portfolio. 
as the second member and chief investment officer, I agree with the investment <laughs> so we can officially make that our first one. Great. I mean, look, I still feel a little bit cheated that <laughs> uh, you hung me out to dry here. No, no. Um, look, uh, we're in this together, and There's a number of other things that we wanted to discuss in terms of uh, adding some of those bigger names to the portfolio, your Apple, your Facebooks, around that conversation. Unfortunately, though, we have uh, run out of time to do so. So we will make sure that we do that in next episode. For the time being, let's put the big six stocks on our watch list. Yes. Maybe not Netflix. We can have that discussion offline. Have a look on our website to see which ones we landed on. Yep. We put CSL on the watch list. Mm -hmm. I also want to put Baby Bunting and Clean Away on the watch list. Yep, definitely. They were two that were very close to my pitches today. Mm -hmm. So... CSL, Baby Bunting, Clean Away, Amazon, maybe not Facebook, Amazon, Apple. Uh, we'll, we'll Spotify. Have the, we'll have the discussion about the tech stocks. Yes, uh, next episode. Next episode. Yeah, okay. definitely. Okay. And keeping in mind that we do have our expert watch list as well, we had Nick Cregan pitch the Ritchie Brothers, which since that episode have, have done phenomenally <laughs> yeah, well. <yeah. laughs> so good to have that part of the portfolio. And we interviewed uh, Lynn Alden this morning, which will be an exciting episode to release. And she also pitched... Tencent. Tencent. So yeah. we'll be adding that as well. And we asked Chris Weldon and he also said Tencent, didn't he? Yeah. 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 So maybe, I should maybe there's something Tencent. in Tencent. <laughs> <laughs> this episode could just go on for a while, but I also like Pinjoy Joy, the Chinese retail stock. Okay. I'm going to put that one on the watch list as well. Oh, Un unsolicited. I can see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ren, well, we'll leave it there. Nice pitch. Good work. Loved it. You've really set the bar high for me next week to come in and pitch cash. But um, <laughs> Bitcoin cash, wasn't it? Bitcoin cash. Uh, but look, we'll leave it there. Great to get this off the ground and looking forward to seeing how it pans out. If people want to throw suggestions in, yes. um, send them in. We want to set up like a voicemail thing where you can leave a message that we can play on the show where you pitch the stocks or we can call you. But in the meantime, just send them in on Facebook or over email. We've had a few pitched already that we'll chuck up on a listener's watch list or something. Novonix, which seems to get a big run in our Facebook group. PointsBet, Zip, Breville, there's a few others. So keep sending them in. We'll make sure we feature them in due course. Epic. All right, well, we'll leave it there, Ren, and looking forward to chatting next week. Nice one. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. 